0: Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm going to call this Dangerous Detours tonight, Dangerous Detours, or Dangerous Mustard for Christy. <laughs> Did you ever get forced to take a detour? I mean, literally on the road. Uh, I don't like detours, they scare me. I'm not good at directions. When I, take a, when I have to take a detour, I get very nervous that I'm gonna end up somewhere I don't wanna be, like in the south. And uh,
1: what about this, anyone
0: like a good shortcut? Yeah, I love shortcuts. Does anyone take shortcuts in life? Do you guys, anyone do weird things like skip to the back of the book or the movie to see the ending? Yeah, sometimes. Anybody read reviews? on a product before you buy it. Um, okay. Here's a few shortcuts that I regularly take, okay? And these are these are actual shortcuts that I take. To go home from here, I take I-93 to go home instead of going downtown. It, because it saves me like a minute. And I, I think those minutes pile up and, and make a difference in my life. At the store, I, I'm the one that uses self-checkouts whenever possible, who else? Self-checkouts are the way to go. In fact, I go to Walgreens, it annoys me, they don't have one. Um, (laughs) I deposit all my checks in the bank using the app, so I don't have to go to the branch, the local branch. Uh, I use a drive-through code at McDonald's, so I don't have to stop at the first window. I go right to that second window, it's brilliant. Um, I lost my hair on purpose, It was my choice so that I don't have to style it every morning. And I had eight children, so I could always tell someone in my household to do stuff I don't want to do. In fact, I enjoy taking shortcuts because they save me valuable time, and I like saving time. It makes me feel productive. And since I've had pretty good success taking shortcuts, it has me looking out for new shortcuts in life, new ways to save time. I'm either very lazy or very productive, and I'm, I'm not sure which it is. But without shortcuts, life has a way of feeling a little monotonous, doesn't it? A little long, a little irritating. Like, why go the long way if you can cut some corners and arrive at the same destination? Now, let me ask you some questions. Do you ever look at a restaurant parking lot before you go inside and see how many cars there are? Or you go inside and ask the lady how long is the wait for the table before you commit to parking and going in and waiting? You guys ever, when you're buying stuff online, see how, how long the, the shipping's going to take? before you realize, yeah, I'm not going to wait a week for something. Like, that's not built into me. So you go to Walmart to get the cheap knockoff that day. Um, You ever get sick and tired of seeing a moose, not seeing a moose? (laughs) So you decorate your office with all kinds of moose paraphernalia just to make yourself feel better? Because I do. The irony, actually, tonight, before we close, is I want to warn us of taking too many shortcuts or detours in life. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. You see, there's a difference between taking detours and shortcuts in order to save time in your day and taking shortcuts to make it easier to follow Jesus. I think that's dangerous. Now, on Sunday, we used an analogy of climbing Mount Everest, a very lofty analogy and metaphor, to help us grasp the concept of, of ascending to the hill of sanctification, which is full likeness to Jesus. That's a big mountain, isn't it? That's a really big mountain for you and I to become like Jesus. The climb of that mountain is steep, the mountain itself is big, but the reward of summiting that mountain and becoming like Jesus is better than the hard. It's better, it's worth it. And although I'm not qualified to speak about climbing, I can use basic logic to determine that if someone wanted to summit Mount Everest, the approach of taking shortcuts is going to be a bad strategy, right? I'm guessing people that try to climb Mount Everest are not shortcut people. I'm guessing that if you wanted to climb Mount Everest, you would need to climb it the right way, taking all the precautions necessary, getting all the advice you can, using all the necessary equipment, paying attention to all the weather reports, and making sure that every step you take on the mountain is the right step. Otherwise, you could die and not reach your goal. And the point is this, is that shortcuts are fine when the end goal is not very important. But if the end goal has eternal ramifications for our life, taking shortcuts is probably not the strategy you want to use. And our enemy, he loves to help us take shortcuts in Christianity. Loves it. Because he's such a good friend of ours, right? He wants to help us save as much time as possible so we can enjoy all the beautiful treasures and pleasures of the earth, right? Isn't that what our enemy wants to do? Of course not. He hates us. He wants to make sure that we take as many detours and shortcuts in Christianity because he knows they can lead us away from the eternal goal of becoming sanctified and holy like our Lord Jesus. And the enemy is willing to do anything necessary to make us waste our lives. Kind of the contrary story of Christy, how it could have gone for Christy if she listened to the enemy. But instead of dignifying our enemy tonight by speaking about him, I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about how to understand how to avoid his dangerous detours and stay on the steady path of following every step our Lord Jesus took. Because those are the only ones that can lead us up this mountain to where God's holiness resides. So what I want to do is I want to line up three detours given to us by the enemy and I want to line them up next to an actual route given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to see how they differ. Here's shortcut number one. Dangerous detour number one is letting other people do the heavy lifting for us. Letting other people do all the heavy lifting for us. I mean, I get it, okay? Working smart is better than working hard, isn't it? And I would, I would attest to that. I would say that's true. Why do things ourselves when we can hire people to do it for us? I mean, that's why I have a job. I'm a pastor, and the job of the pastor is to lead spiritually. And the church's job is to follow that lead And that's true. That's that's exactly true. That's what pastors are called to do. I was hired to do some of the heavy lifting for this church. And pastors are a blessing from God because they do some of that heavy lifting. But isn't it also true that we need personal training in Christianity? Isn't it true we also need personal disciplines? Isn't it true we also need personal study of God's Word? Because number one, pastors cannot adequately nourish every soul. I mean... Crossroads Church right now has one pastor and about 100 people who come. Pastors cannot adequately nourish every soul to the same levels. Number two, pastors are fallible people. We make errors. I know that's probably disappointing to hear, but pastors are fallible people and can possibly make errors from time to time. Number three, pastors don't know everything about God in the scriptures. And I know I've let you all down because you all, until right now, you thought I was the perfect man for this job and, and until right now you're finding out that i'm not and i know that's disappointing because i just let you down but it's true all of that is true and that means that we have to train ourselves for godliness now paul had a protege his name was timothy and in, he wrote two books to timothy first and second timothy And he said in first timothy chapter four to his protege timothy have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. If we train ourselves for godliness, we can discern what are the right steps to take on the mountain according to what Jesus has taught us. And if we take the shortcuts and let the pastors do all the work for us, then we can only go as far as pastors are perfect, which is not very far at all. That's dangerous detour number one. Dangerous detour number two, or shortcut, is letting a man's opinions overrule God's word. The culture that we live in loves sound bites. We do. We love inspirational sayings that make us feel good. We love the fresh new podcasts, like this one. And devotionals, and YouTube sermons, and the guy in fly clothing and style, who's educated, healthy, attractive, popular, and he's gonna let us know how to think biblically because he's hip and he's relevant. And this one goes along with number one, but it's even a more dangerous detour because oftentimes these so-called spiritual leaders aren't even our pastors. They're just popular speakers of the day with a lot of followers, and they know how to attract a crowd. They're often holding their Bibles while they speak or they're cherry-picking phrases from the Bible to support what they're saying, but the problem is is with a lot of these guys and girls, Their advice and counsel is not verbatim from the mouth of God. It's verbatim from their own mouth. And it's a very dangerous substitution. Very dangerous. An actual route towards godliness is to know and obey the very words of Scripture. Once again, I'm going to to quote Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you and I discipline ourselves to know and obey God's word, we're going to be sure that we're on the path to true Christ-likeness and godliness. Because unlike man, God's word can never fail, can it? If God's word becomes our daily meat and drink, we will build up the proper spiritual muscles to climb to the top of the mountain of Christ-likeness. That's dangerous detour number two. Dangerous detour number three is complacency. What better strategy for the enemy to use than to get us to be fed up with climbing, to be tired with climbing in the Christian race, and to consider that maybe we've already climbed enough. And he can use a lot of different strategies to accomplish that goal of complacency. Number one, he can make the hill seem bigger than it is. He just macro zooms in on that mountain and says, you can never get up that mountain. It's too big, it's too vast, you're too small, you're too sinful. It's too big. It's never going to happen. Number two, he can make the climb seem longer and lonelier than it actually is. He loves to focus on the hard or the disappointments or the what I don't have in life so that we go, man, is this really worth it? I mean, look at the world, they're having a blast and I'm over here suffering for Jesus. Number three, he could get us to focus on our own fatigue, our own shortcomings, our own inabilities, our own victories, our own disappointments with our call to climb this mountain because in all honesty, all he needs us to do is to cease climbing because he knows that summiting this hill of sanctification and becoming like Jesus is truly glorious and everlasting. And no matter what, he can't have us reaching that goal. That's the enemy's number one goal stop climbing stop ascending stop progressing first thessalonians chapter 5 paul says now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it did you notice it who will sanctify us our ability to climb no god Himself has promised to sanctify those who steadily and faithfully continue to climb this hill relying upon his grace his scripture and his son to reach the top and we will reach the top did you know that? every single person who is steadily and faithfully climbing that mountain will reach the top every single person because God's grace is going to make sure of it so we encourage one another to continue to go up and up Together let's do this together. Let's keep moving and ascending and going forward together not taking dangerous detours Not taking dangerous shortcuts And i'm going to wrap up our podcast tonight the way that you should wrap up a podcast with a poem Did you guys know that i'm a poet you didn't know it but i'm a poet I'm um, actually not this is gonna be a very lame poem but but hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. Here's my poem, okay? The way to the top of becoming like Christ is not on a cog or an auto road. It's following our Lord Jesus on the narrow road. The route to holiness is a steep sacrifice, much like giving up moose or snow. But loss is gain when Jesus himself is our end goal. The prize for climbing to the top is not a candy counter that never ends. It's glory and peace with God, our Father and our friend. If you're willing to climb and never stop, the Lord will bring you to the top. The old man of the mountain might crumble and fall, but our Lord of creation is worthy of us all. Thank you. Jesus, encourage us to climb and give us the might and keep yourselves always within our sight. Crossroads Church, here's my encouragement to us tonight. Let us forget the detours, okay? There's tons of them. And we're going to be presented with these detours and shortcuts every day of our lives. The only goal is to focus our head and our mind and our eyes upward where Jesus is. And to do so together, unified, following every footprint that Jesus left for us. It's the only goal. It's the only way to the top. And we will reach the top if we follow our Lord and his Thanks for listening to the devotional podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 10:30. Learn more about us at crossroadsoflittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.